I have uh, two brief passages. The first is from uh, Joshua chapter 1. The Lord speaking to Joshua when Joshua was stepping into his call to lead Israel into the promised land. And the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and courageous for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And secondly, just one verse, Paul encouraging his son in the faith, Timothy. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And this Trinity Church is? This is God's word. You may be seated. So, um... We are not going to be beginning a new, a new series today, and uh, in praying this week, just, uh, Lord, uh, just what is something just pastoral? What is just something specific that would just be good for us in our church right now, and uh, came to this theme of, of courage? I just want to talk to you today about having courage. Does anybody need any of that? Yes. There's none of us, there's not a person in the room that doesn't need in their life courage. And um, as is, I think, the most truly anointed way to preach, anytime we need to drive home something in God's truth, we're going to turn to uh, Rocky Balboa, okay? (laughs) So, talked about him before, I will talk about him again, but I'm a huge fan of this franchise, and particularly, uh, I love the 2006 edition that uh, came out whenever Rocky decided as a 50-something-year-old fighter that he still had some stuff in the basement. He had been long retired, was living as a widowed man. His wife had passed away, and he just wanted to do something, and he felt like he wanted to fight one more time. And because this is a Rocky movie, this didn't happen in a high school gym somewhere. It happened on pay-per-view against the heavyweight champion of the world, right? And so Rocky, in preparing to fight, people are saying, you shouldn't do it. And he's talking to his longtime friend, Polly. And Polly says, "Um, you know, haven't you peaked yet? (laughs) Like, didn't you feel you got done everything you could do? And Rocky said, I don't know. There's still some stuff in the basement. And Polly said, what basement? And Rocky said, in here. I just feel like there's still some stuff in here. And so Polly says, it takes a lot of courage to get back in that ring knowing that you're going to take a beating. And he did. And the, the first round of a Rocky movie never goes well. And at the particularly the end of this one, he had gotten hit something like a hundred times in the first round. He had his moments, but by and large, the first round was a slaughterhouse. And whenever Rocky comes and plops down in his corner, Polly leans over the ropes and goes, what happened to the stuff in the basement? And Rocky said, it's still in there. It's still in there. But have you ever come to that point in your life where you had some sort of, some sort of moment 
of truth. Uh, the baptisms today, that is a moment of truth. Uh, maybe you deciding it's time, it's time to forgive. I'm going to stop being held hostage by the same old things that have been haunting me. That's a moment of truth. Um, a decision to take control of your health, moment of truth. To start paying attention to your kids, moment of truth. To focus on your marriage and try to bring it back from the brink of divorce, that is a moment of truth. And you decide those things and you have determination and then you go out maybe just in round one and get punched in the face repeatedly again and again and again. Your intentions were good and then it seems like you start stepping forward and everything is getting in your way and whether or not you continue depends on whether or not you have one particular virtue in your life. Courage. What is what is courage? Let's define our term. Courage is persistence through fear and suffering. Persistence through it. We tend to think I would be more courageous if I had less of it. If I wasn't so afraid, if I wasn't the type of person that got so easily discouraged, if I wasn't the type of person that folded under pain, then I would be more courageous. But no, Courage, being brave, is continuing while you are afraid, while you are feeling pain. That's what makes it brave. That's what makes it courageous. And so it takes courage. It takes courage to do anything worthwhile. It definitely takes courage to follow, to follow Jesus. I mean, when he says, follow me, he says in that process, pick up your cross and follow me. So that means that we don't just look at what he did on the cross, be encouraged by that, that he took the punishment of our sin, and one day we will be with him in heaven, and there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more reason to have to work so hard at being courageous. All of that is true, but when he says, take up your cross and follow me, that means that even doing the right things are sometimes going to feel painful. It's sometimes going to feel like carrying a burden. If you feel like you can follow Jesus and not be burdened, if you feel, I mean, his yoke is easy and his burden is light, you can choose the burden of sin or you can choose the burden of God. One pays off beyond all belief and one will make you pay beyond all belief. And yet, Jesus said, in this world, you are going to have trials and tribulations. You will. You who are loving me. You who are trying to do the right things. Sometimes doing the right thing is the hardest thing, and it takes courage. And Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and what that means is that as we do that, we will often be running into a kingdom that is established and doesn't want to give up its progress. But I would say, don't be, Scripture would say, don't be surprised when you come into a fiery ordeal as if something unexpected were happening to you. It's actually what the Bible says. And so whenever we say, why does it seem whenever I start making progress and I start trying to do the right thing that everything comes against me, it seems like that because that is what's happening. I hate to say it, but often that is what is happening that you've made a decision, you've come to a conclusion under the conviction of God, with the direction of God, through his values, and you've decided to pursue what is right. And if it seems like heaven and earth are maybe supporting you, but hell is making it a lot harder, it's, it's true. It's true. 
So Paul said to Timothy, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everybody. And so that means it's not easy all the time for anybody. So it's going to take courage. It's going to take pressing through. And so the first thing I want to say to you this morning is it takes courage to follow Jesus in the face of opposition. Because Paul said, all who want to live a godly life will be persecuted. How many of you would agree that one of the chief virtues of a Christian should just be that they're nice people? That, that's actually true. A Christian should simply be nice. If nothing else, you should be a nice person. Lord knows there are enough sour face, vindictive, you know, pessimistic Eeyore Christians who tag Jesus onto everything but only make him look worse for it. A Christian should certainly be nice, but a Christian must also be tough. You must be nice, but you must be more than nice. And you must know Because one of the easiest ways that we get discouraged as Christians is I'm trying to be nice, I'm trying to be kind, and it seems like it's not returned. You must know that you cannot be nice enough or kind enough to have the entire world be nice to you when you are carrying the message of God. The message of God is nice, right? God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. That is nice, but hidden in there is some not so nice. Jesus so disagreed with the world that he came and died to cover their sins. If you don't want to know or acknowledge that in the eyes of God I am sinful and I need saving, you just might have trouble with, with his plan for your life. And so in the book of Acts chapter 5, these are some of the earliest days of Christianity. The message of Jesus is spreading. Uh, This particular passage takes place in Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. And the the commander went with the servants and brought them without force. These are the leaders of the Sanhedrin, beginning at verse 28. They say this, didn't we strictly order you not to teach in this name? In other words, the apostles are causing a stir. Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than people. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, who you had murdered by hanging him on a tree. It's like you kind of did the thing, and his life wasn't simply taken from him, Jesus said, I'm laying it down. But they rejected the day of God's visitation. Jesus came to them. They rejected rejected him and they crucified him. God exalted this man to the right hand as ruler and savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to all of those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Why? The offer was forgiveness and salvation. But the facts were that they needed that forgiveness and they had to be saved. They didn't like that. Peter was saying, the guilt is on your head. You must take forgiveness. They didn't like it. So you've got to be nice, but you have to know you cannot be nice enough to not be persecuted. Jesus actually said, woe to you. In other words, things aren't quite going right if everyone speaks well of you. Because if everyone agrees, 
we may be being overly agreeable and we, not, might, we may not be actually trying to stand for anything. Can you take rejection for standing up for something? One of the, you know, I'm so glad that by and large, you know, we don't have to worry about our lives in this nation. There are people that do in lots of parts of the world. That type of persecution hasn't come here yet, but can you take being doxxed? Can you take being publicly humiliated? Can you take being marginalized at work? Can you take being mocked on social media? Can you take being unpopular? We've had it so good in our country that to be unpopular in the name of Jesus kind of hurts our feelings so much that we might just stop going to church. But look, look at our, our heroes, those who went before us in the faith. They called in the apostles and had them flogged, ordered them not to speak. That's how I would feel too if I was being flogged. Ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and released them. Then they went out from the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on account of the name. Y'all catch that? Let's just, let's just focus on those words. They went out of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully. Say that with me. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully. Can you imagine that? Like, I, honestly, I'm like trying to picture that. I hope Jesus helped me respond that way and feel that way. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully. That is so far from being terrified to speak up because of what somebody might think of you. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully, not just because they like to be treated shamefully. No Christian just loves the pain. But they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be treated shamefully on behalf of the name. The name of who? The name of Jesus, who was treated shamefully, who was rejected because he loved us all so much that that was the only way he could ensure being with us for all eternity. And that's pretty cool. It doesn't make sense. And it's really wonderful. So we need courage to follow Jesus in the face of opposition. Because at times we're going to be opposed. Secondly, it takes courage to fight what is ungodly in you. Anybody got some ungodly urges in them? Some ungodly stuff in them? And do you realize it takes courage to overcome that? It's one of the most difficult things about being saved by Jesus, being baptized, coming up out of the water, that there's a lot of stuff that is different. You want different things. Your life is being reoriented. The Holy Spirit is in you to convict you, to encourage you, and to point you in the right direction. And to a shocking degree, you will find that you don't always want to do the right thing. Was it real? Did I mean it? Absolutely. But you still have this body that craves Oreos and all other sorts of unhelpful things. It's true. So the Apostle Paul actually said, he said, I want to do good and evil is right there with me. He said, who will free me from this body of death? That there's a level of frustration built in and we're going to overcome that by step-by-step courageously opposing what is in us and simply does not want to cooperate with the love and will of God.
And so Paul compares it to running a race. He says, we're all running a race and we are called to be something greater than an Olympic athlete could ever be, Paul is saying. We are called to run a race for God. And he says, don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air instead. I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So the Apostle Paul, a man worth following, a man worth learning from, what he's saying here, if you have to discipline your body and bring it under strict control, that means it's work. That means that in his own, in his own self, he was like, there are parts of you that want this, but guess what? We're called of God. I don't know, maybe he's looking into a mirror. We're called of God, Paul. There are things that feel right that aren't right. There are things that tug at you that you don't need to go with. And so we are going to strictly control you so that we can honor God. Because we're set apart for a purpose. You are not just common. You are not just you. You're set apart for a purpose. Can you be courageous enough to go against your own cowardice, your own laziness, your own vengefulness, your own stuff that is in there? Don't feel bad and beat yourself up about things that are there that you wish weren't there. Pray for God's strength. Lord, take them away from me. But do you realize that you're courageous whenever you go against it? Whenever you push back, that's where the courage is. That's where the bravery is. Um, Whenever, oh, Ethan, I'm going to tell a story. I forgot to ask you. Whenever Ethan, I'm so proud of him, but I'm not going to cry today. Whenever Ethan was like four for a period of time, thunderstorms really freaked him out in a big way. Did not like thunderstorms. And one day I came home from work and Crystal told me just the most moving story. um, Because I remember when that fear came, we were on a long road trip and we got pinned down on an interstate under a fierce thunderstorm. One of those, you're pulled over to the side of the road because you can see nothing. Freaked out the kids, right? And so um, thunderstorm was, was hit. They pulled up to the house. And so Ethan is terrified, but he runs to the door and he opens the door and he says, go inside, go inside. It's like Ethan against the storm, right? Little four-year-old. And Crystal goes, goes, Ethan, I'll get it. Go ahead and go inside. And he goes, no, mama, you go, you go. So one hand, he's terrified. On the other hand, he's incredibly courageous because he's wanting to take care of his mom. He's wanting to take care of his family. And I absolutely love that. And so at the end of the, later that day, Crystal told me about it. And I'm talking with Ethan and I said, you know, I'm so proud of you. And he said, but I was scared. I said, and that's why it was brave. That's what made it brave. So it takes courage to fight what is cowardly, what is, what is weak, what is lustful, what is ungodly in us. So have courage. Try again. Start the diet again. Put the filter back on the computer again. Set the alarm to get up early again. 
the very fact that you were in the fight means you have not been conquered. Can you be courageous enough to do it again and again? It takes courage also to obey the will of God. You realize in this little passage with Joshua that we read, there's a, there's a number of different layers. There's, there's God saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous. You will destroy what Moses did not do, I want you to do. And so Joshua easily could have said, you know, like Moses felt when he was called, please send somebody else. But God wanted to use Moses, and now God wanted to use Joshua And he says, be strong and courageous because you are going to do this. It takes courage to follow the specific calling that God has in your life. If you know there's a specific calling in your life, it is never going to be easy. You will never not have butterflies. It will never be entirely unstressful. You just got to do it. You've got to be courageous and do it with the help of God. So it takes courage to follow a calling. It takes little courage to tread water to stay put, to stay at a job you hate, but it's there. You know, if, if you're called, and if that call looks like making some adjustments, you have to know it's always going to require courage. Always. And in verse 7, above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. The book of instruction. It takes courage to let the word of God critique our lives and cause us to change instead of just lying to ourselves about what the Word of God means or is demanding of us. It doesn't really mean that about forgiveness. It doesn't really mean that about, about finances. It doesn't really mean that about sexuality. It doesn't really mean that about Jesus being the way to God. Be strong and courageous to obey everything written in the book of the law. It, it takes courage to obey the written Word of God, to submit ourselves to it to let it evaluate us instead of us critiquing it. And then verse 9, Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God is with you wherever we go. Sometimes we are fearful and we stop making progress because we leave God out of the equation. We actually wake up and we forget that he's with us. Or we're afraid to obey because we're, we're forgetting that he's with us on the other side of that obedience. He's with us now, and he's going with us then. God is not an impartial observer to where he just gives demands and says, now are you brave enough to do it? He never says, simply go. He always offers to go with. So can we be strong enough, courageous enough to proceed knowing that we have God's Holy Spirit with us? That he is more interested in you fulfilling his will, being able to live a godly life, being able to overcome what you're facing, than you are. He is heavily invested in you. He has already paid the highest price just so he could have you. So why would he throw you off to the side now? It's not going to happen. Sometimes we need courage to get moving, knowing that he's with us. He's always been with us. He will always be with us. And then lastly, and finally, it really takes courage to do anything but take what life gives you. It takes courage to do anything but just take what life gives you. It's maybe the realest thing I'll say this morning. Kind of look at anything in your life that is virtuous and good, anything that you want and know you should want because it's right and it's good. It's going to take courage to get there. 
to make necessary changes, to endure the pain, to take another step, it's going to take courage. Do you believe that you were meant for a life of purpose more than you were meant for a life of comfort? Comfort is a lie. It's easy to sleep in till 10 every day. It's easy not to budget. It's easy to do everything but what you should do. But I love, the, I love the quote from Jim Rohn. It's been attributed to a million different people, lots of versions of it on the old internet. You can have the, the pain of progress or the pain of regret. We just kind of have to choose, right? And choosing progress requires courage. You know who says something really good about this? C.S. Lewis. You guys are so smart. C.S. Lewis says this, courage is not simply one of the virtues but it's the form of every virtue at the testing point, which means the point of highest reality. You see that? Every virtue, any good thing that you want in your life that you feel you should master that needs to become a part of who you are, when it's tested, becomes a matter of courage. Do you have the courage to push through this moment of pain, this moment of sadness, this season of depression, this whatever it is, courage. It's the testing point of progress and the testing point of virtue. Can I read you one more quote that I skipped earlier? Tracy, let's go back to G.K. Chesterton. This is what he says about courage. He says, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live taking the form of a readiness to die. He that will lose his life the same shall save it. That was Jesus, by the way. He said, it's not a piece of mysticism for saints or heroes. It's a piece of everyday advice for sailors or mountaineers. A man cut off by the sea may save his life if he will risk it on the precipice. He can only get away from death by continually stepping within an inch of it. A soldier surrounded by enemies, if he is to cut his way out, needs to combine a strong desire for living with a strange carelessness about dying. He must not merely cling to life, for then he will be a coward and won't escape. He must not merely wait for death, for then he will be a suicide and will not escape. He must desire life like water and yet drink death like wine. To be afraid, to be discouraged, or to be in pain is not necessarily proof that you should stop. It's just the proving place of courage. It's a proving ground. It's a proving ground.